once again. Oh my God. Welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast, everyone. 199. Feeling super fine. And it's the last time I can say it, so don't even rain on my parade. <laughs> I won't. I won't do it. I'm proud I didn't of do it us. for 170, 197 or 198. Yeah, so. it's like you're not even doing it cold turkey. You're like easing off uh-huh, the rhyming. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Tapering. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. So glad you could join us today. It's going to be a great show. I have a feeling. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. I love when you say that. You're always you right. You know that song, I Got a Feeling? Yeah. That tonight's going to be a good night. They played that at Tori and Brad's wedding. Mm. Like as the bride and groom are being like, here they are for the yeah. first time. Yes. Mr. and Mrs. Brad Firenza. <laughs> and then they play that song. And now I'm like, mm. I said it. It's weird. What song did you come out to when you were, when it was probably a Beach Boys song? I don't know, man. When you guys were both introduced? I don't think we were introduced. I don't introduced. think you were either. I didn't have that kind of yeah. a <laughs> You know what I came out to, which makes total sense? What? Wait. It was a I Beyonce and it was a Beyonce song. Crazy right now? Crazy in love. Crazy in love. Yep. That's a good one. It's a perfect one it's for an us. Anthem. Sometimes I feel crazy mm-hmm. in my love. Right. We are crazy in love. That's a much better song. It's It was perfect for us. I just think the Black Eyed Peas aren't welcome at weddings. That's my policy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're not, you're not a fan of the Black Eyed Peas? I am. I just don't think they belong at weddings. Mm. <laughs> I have no mm. reason for this. Sometimes yeah. I just kill dead air here. So yeah. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. Um, I like Bruno Mars at any wedding. Yeah. There's pretty much any Bruno Mars song that you could play and it's going to be good at a wedding. Yeah. He never makes me sad or yeah. anything. You yeah. know what I mean? I love his songs. He swept, swept the Grammys. What does that mean, though? He won Artist of the Year, Song of the Year, and Album of the Year. I did not know that. Yeah. What was the song? Oh, my gosh. He had uh, 24 karat magic in the air. I mean, that's a good one, but Song of the Year? This time for the hustlers. Hustlers. Dude's back again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. I All right. She's feeling And he also had that song, Versace on the floor. Wasn't as good, but hilarious. You know what? I think I thought I liked him more than I did. <laughs> Turns out. Um, I'm excited because later we have a guest. Yes. And this guest wrote my March book club pick. Oh. Which is Sister of Darkness. It's the it's a memoir. She's an exorcist. Stop it. Yes. This is fabulous. I went into reading this book and being like, okay, what is this weirdness? And then I was like 10 pages in and I'm like, well, I need an exorcism and I for <laughs> sure have demons attached to me. Oh my God. And I just Can thought- Can she do them via phone or right. Skype? <laughs> I really was just, I'm just intrigued because to me it felt like, okay, I think a lot of this comes down to semantics. Like the words that she uses, I wouldn't use, mm-hmm. you know, like spirit or demon or oh, something. Right, right, right. But I like, might say yeah. like somebody has a bad vibe or yes. whatever. And you, we've all met these people where you're like, oh, mm, they, they give, give me that. A- yes. And so I was like, if we just change the words around, I'm like totally on board. But yeah, that's how I feel about, uh, you know, spiritual- religion. Yeah, religion. <laughs> Faith. It's called the universe and like, you know. God, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I do think a lot of like the, the debates people have really do come down to like just the You're word totally you choose. Right. Yeah. Um, but she's an interesting character and I wanted to have her on the show to kind of like get to the bottom of what 
she does because she's secular. She's not oh. a believer of any yeah. kind. And she certainly believes in exorcisms. Yeah, she wow. believes there's something cooking, but she's not associated with any particular tradition. And that, you know, usually people think of like Catholicism and mm. that movie Poltergeist yeah. and all that stuff. The Exorcist. <laughs> the Exorcist. That's the one that comes to my mind. <laughs> right. But like just any kind of possession yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk to her. So anyway, that's coming up later. And if you want to be in the book club, you can join via Patreon or you can join um, via the thebraincandypodcast.com. We meet once a month and talk about books and you know, talk to the other members about what they think. And really it kind of just ends up feeling like therapy and like, what do we learn? And then they have a, their own Facebook group as well on, uh, like it's like an offshoot of the brain candy crush where it's just brain candy book club members. Anyway, I just want to tell you that before we go on though, I wanted to tell you guys about a really cool service. Um, average interest rates on credit cards are usually, freaking 17 percent apr or whatever it's yeah cra- and like a lot of people don't even know what they're when i was 18 mine was 33 <gasps> percent. oh my god sucker i don't think you got a good deal i don't either um and there are a lot of people with good credit they want to save money and you can do that by consolidating your credit card debt and lowering your interest rates um but that's a pain in the a a lot of times mm-hmm. so there is a really cool service called Lightstreams credit card consolidation loan which if you go to their website, you go on there and you just put your info in like in two seconds and it'll tell you how much you can save and like what your payment's going to be. We love a deal. And you get a credit card consolidation loan with a fixed interest rate as low as 5.49 APR with auto pay. You could save thousands of dollars in interest, which, hello. And they do loans from 5000 to to $100,000. So this could be a good option for you depending on what you got cooking. Um and if you apply today, you get an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way for our listeners with good credit to get this special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash brain candy. That's lightstream.com slash brain candy. Um, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash brain candy. And it's super easy. Like you don't have to put in like all your crazy I feel details. like our listeners would have good credit. I don't want to Obviously. judge them, but I really do think they would. Yeah. And the way that they work it on their site is that it's super fast and uh, you don't have to put in all your private weirdness. Oh, good. Yeah. So subject to credit approval rates include a 0.50 auto pay discount available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for important information about limits on Lightstream loans and same day funding. Woo! Whoa, that was cool. All right, back to the show. Uh, can I tell you what my March book is? Yeah, you texted me, but I'm what is so it? I'm so excited. It's called Slut Ever. Dispatches from a sexually anonymous woman in a post-shame world. And what do you mean? She's all about female sexual agency. And she's the host of the new show on Viceland called Slut Ever. And it just breaks down mm, like people's sexual hang-ups and how like women navigate the world of sexual agency. So like being able to say, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, and being able to ask for that and stand up for that and she has really fun episodes like the search for the female uh happy ending Mm. super cool stuff wait is that a thing well it should be and she had a very difficult time finding it like wait, any wait, service wait, wait. that just gives that hold provides, everything. Yes. What? When I think of happy ending, I think of like a massage. Yeah. And okay, and then t- a little rub and tug. So the ending is like a nice orgasm. Yeah. 
there's really no female equivalent of that. Right. Where and you it's can not just go. there's no demand. Right. That's what she, that's the whole thing is like, she's going around interviewing people in New York and these women, like, have you ever had one? Like everybody's like, no, no, no. But would you like one? Yeah. Like, why can't women just go somewhere and say, you know, I'd really like this. No, no connection, no, whatever, you know, they have the option of female, es- like the male escorts for women. They also have the option of, uh, uh, what was the other one? Oh, more like a tantric style massage where it's all about like learning how to connect to your inner blah, 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 blah. And that was more about like meditation. And, you know, she said there were like, that got to, that wasn't what she was looking for. She's not looking for a lesson in, you know, how to get off. She's just looking for a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And she finally found it. Like one guy who did that as its job. And he even had to remain anonymous because there's like, this is still kind of looked down upon. Wow. I think, uh, between our two books, I don't know who's is going to be popular, but (laughs) so you should definitely join our book club. (laughs) I was reading an article in the Atlantic about, or wait, Actually, sorry, it was New York Times, and it was about um, this sort of issue of the way that teens are being exposed to pornography. And... I read the same article. Okay, what yes, did you what think? your child is learning, what your teenager is learning from porn. Yeah, yes. What did you think about I, it? I mean, I that is what's happening, and I really what is what's happening? Oh, that. When, I mean, especially males and females, they, there's this age where we want to go explore um, our sexuality. And when you have access to videos and things like that, it's kind of like a, uh, it, it, how do I even word this? Like it starts, it starts off innocent enough, but you become more and more numb and you need more and more to satisfy that urge Mm -hmm. and the thing. And then it said in the article that, you know, this boy was in junior high and he started watching videos that were of, um, there was certain style. There's a certain style to porn where women do not have control and it's usually hard and rough and the women are flipped over on their stomachs and like, there's no eye contact and it's just really aggressive. And he said there was one porn that he watched where, a woman was having soft, gentle sex with a man, and then she wasn't satisfied with that. So then the guy comes in and gives her the hard, rough stuff, and she loves that. And he said it changed how he looked at his female classmates. Right. He couldn't look at them the same way. They are looking at them thinking, ooh, what's under her shirt? What do her boobs look like? Well, how does she like it? And I just think that's a not, it's a dangerous thing. Well, yeah, they they're talked about how the porn is often from this very specific point of view that gives these people the impression. Yeah. First of all, it gives boys the impression that this is what women like and this is how it's going to be. Yes. And this is how women behave and, and moan and God, I just sent myself that to talk about on this episode. During sex, but then it also teaches girls, oh, that's what I'm supposed to yes. be like during yes. sex. And so it, everything gets real muddied. Because nobody really knows what the other one wants. And I hear this a lot and I'm sick of it where they'll be like, this is what they say about consent or even condoms and stuff. And they're like, in the heat of the moment, you don't want to have to like be like, do you want this? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
fuck the heat of the moment. Right. And who is even really, that's not a no, thing. Right. It's totally not. I've never been in a situation where it's been like, oh my God, I can't get my clothes off fast enough. There's no time I'm for a condom. I'm away. No. It's no, never been like we, that. Like, I can stay in the mood and have a conversation. Yes. That can all happen. Yes. And so I don't like that phrase. And there's like, a serious link between performance anxiety and the exposure to porn, especially at a younger age. And we're seeing that more and more in the men, treatment with men with and men and women. And like perf- the. I don't have that. You don't have performance anxiety? I mean, what? What, right. what do you have to work with? What do you want right. from right. me? But they're seeing it for. I mean, women. I'm actually, this is it's all kind of coming full circle. I'm in the class that I'm taking this semester is sex therapy. Mm-hmm. So we're learning a lot about um, sexual dysfunctions because they don't call them disorders anymore. They call them sexual dysfunction. What's an example? So there's an orgasm dysfunction. There's a penetration pain dysfunction. There's a desire uh, dysfunction. What's and the dysfunction? And there's an arousal function. So with, okay, for example, if you have a female who has experienced a lot of sexual trauma in her past, that's often linked to uh, penetration pain. So they'll they'll go to the doctor and complain about like it hurts to have sex and it's almost your body's it's a almost a somatic symptom that your body then like is so fearful of that Mm -hmm. that it becomes painful to have sex and it's getting past those things and like for men there's this anticipation of what it's supposed to be like then it's not like that for them or they don't get the reaction that they want from the woman that's the same as the porn so then they either have um arousal difficulties, the premature ejaculation difficulties, they cannot get an erection. So we see a rise in the use of Viagra, things like that. And it really, I really do think a lot of this stems from early exposure to porn and the wrong kind of porn. Yeah. Well, I, they, they do, the article did have good news. It was like talking about the porn literacy classes that are being offered at for young people, because oh, cool. porn's not going away. No. Your kids are going to watch and it. And hey, there's nothing wrong with watching people get it on. It's just the kind and style and what you take from it. Yeah. So what are these classes like? Well, they're just sort of saying, you know, it's almost like providing the script through which you can read it. Like when you watch this video, okay, consider who's filming it. Yeah. Um, and did she say yes? Mm-hmm. And how do you know that she's into this? And what if you were in this situation, how would you be certain about consent? Or um, And like the most porn is the end goal is him getting off. Yes. Blech. Very rarely is it her or just her. That's why I like massage porn. It's my right. happy ending porn. <laughs> All about right, it. that's why you want to read that whatever. No, <laughs> where do you go from here now? Really? Um, you know what I'm super into right now? What? Uh, going through all my old pictures because oh, it was the that. 20th anniversary of my road rolls this yeah. month, and it got me all nostalgic. Oh God, 20 years, right? That's gross, but no, it's amazing. It's really strange, and you look back. I was looking back at all the pictures, and I. As you know, I had my show on VHS. Yes. Which is absurd. <laughs> and that's how long ago it was. So I wanted to digitize all of it, like all the pictures, all of the VHS tapes and pictures too? Yeah. Oh my God, I love this. Yeah. So I 
um, decided to use Legacy Box, which, you know, you basically get to put all your stuff in this box. You label it like with a uh, barcode and you send it off to a Legacy Box where real live people will archive it and put it into digital format. And it's super safe and you can trust them with all of your special stuff and you get all this stuff back to you that you can... I, I have a tape, a VHS tape of me doing my first stand-up comedy Oh set. my God, cool. I've never seen it. I want to see it. And so I sent that. So I can't wait to watch it. And there's just never been a better time to digitally preserve your old home movies, film reels, and photos. Like if your mom or dad, too, has all those oldies but goodies that you can't even watch anymore. Amazing. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering our listeners a huge exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BrainCandy to get 40% off your first order. With the exclusive deal, Legacy Box starts at just $45 or save up to $200 on the largest Legacy Box kit. Go to LegacyBox.com slash BrainCandy and save 40% today. Oh, that's a good deal. Maybe I'll show you guys my uh, yes, my old yes, yes, road rules yes. stuff when I get it back. We'll see. Okay. Anyway... What else did I... Oh, I was, was kind of speaking to how you went on this massage <laughs> thing and you like overshared, right? A little bit. Yeah. But like we don't believe in that. No. And I was reading this article on NPR about how um, podcasting can feel so intimate yeah. to the audience because we share these very private things. You, you and, get to hear all about all sides of my life. Yeah, your our husbands, our mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. our dogs, our whatever. Mm-hmm. And the the article was saying that it was a one-sided intimacy. Oh. Because, yeah. you know, we can't know every single person that listens. Mm-hmm. I do feel close to a lot of the people that yeah. are, are in touch all the time and that have tweeted to us and stuff like that, sent us messages, but I know what they're saying. But I, I didn't get how it was any different than, like, if I look at Chrissy Teigen's Instagram, right? I feel like, but I think there's like a, some comfort in that, that because it's yeah. our voices. Yeah, like there's comfort in in, you know, sometimes sharing is difficult for a lot of people, and like you want to feel connected, but maybe you're not. You're more of like an introvert. Who mm-hmm. isn't an oversharer and isn't going to have that kind of conversation where you're going to be like sharing about a happy ending massage, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's still fun to have those conversations and to ha- like be to listen to those. And I don't think you should be excluded from a conversation just because you don't want to have Im- any input in the conversation, you know? Yeah. Like I know people who, well, I can just think that like maybe if you have like a group of, friends who are really outgoing and just, you know, like you and I, like if you were a a more introverted, quiet person, it would not be as comfortable to sit, you know, at a third chair and be a part of this conversation. But it Mm. is fun to be a fly on the wall for these kind of conversations. Yeah. 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 I do think it's funny when people say that they yell at this. Oh yeah. I do that too. I listen to Jesus Amaro. And you like chime in. They're like my Right. Because we have ones that we listen to and then we feel close to them and they're like two black guys from new york from like freaking harlem and it's me white girl from suburban california who's loves every single minute of that show because it, it what makes you laugh yeah it makes me laugh and then they have inside jokes that like now i am i am in on and i know about and i just feel like part of a 
club that I would never be able to sit at the same table with them and be as excited about a conversation because I look like I don't belong in that circle, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that one of them married a Jewish woman. No white way. Woman, so, really? And has like six kids with her. Oh. Yeah, Meryl. For real? For six? real. No, I think four or five. Five kids maybe. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's so cool though that we could be a part of, you know, people's lives and be in their ear holes. Yeah. Um, but I felt, I don't know. I was kind of, yeah. What was your feeling on that? The idea that it's one-sided felt a little bit untrue. Yeah. I agree with that. I I don't think it's all one, you know, one-sided. It's, it is in the sense that you can't know each single person. Right. But if you think of them collectively, Mm -hmm. I feel like I know the type of person. Totally. In fact, I was in mother's market today and there's this woman walking around the hell is Mother's Market? Oh, it's like a health foodie store. Okay. It's like a Sprouts or a Whole Foods, but oh. like more local one. And it's so good. Oh my God, I love, shout out to Mother's. If you guys want to sponsor us, let me know. Um, <laughs> I will eat your kombucha or drink your kombucha <laughs> all day long. Um, and that's not a euphemism. Right. Unless you <laughs> want like, it to uh... be. <laughs> Uh, but she was walking around. She had like these cute ripped up jeans. She was wearing a bag with a bunch of cool pins on it. And had I not had to go to the bathroom so bad, I would have, I wanted so bad to say, here's a card. I really think you should listen to the Brain Candy podcast because you would love us. <laughs> Cause she just looked like somebody who yeah. would absolutely love our podcast. She was wearing a, Ah, Real Monsters shirt, which was a really cool TV show from Nickelodeon from like back in the nineties. Yeah, she would love us. She would love us. That's what I was thinking. And I'm then surprised I left- she didn't recognize you. <sighs> I didn't. We didn't. I just saw her. I was yeah. like creepy staring at her as she was ordering a smoothie, <laughs> and I was like running to the bathroom. Right. And then and then she left, and she was just uh, ships in the night. We pass. <laughs> Hey, you should put on Craigslist. What are yeah, those things what is called? Uh, like desperately seeking Susan. Like desperately seeking a real monsters girl. Missed connection. Missed connection. You yeah. had a monsters shirt on. I had to pee. Yeah. <laughs> you are getting a dr- green drink smoothie. Yeah, um, I know. I knew she would love it. But if you're out there, woman, what if she's already listening? Shout you out know to what? The That's monsters. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Maybe she is. All right. What else do I want to talk to you about? Um. Okay, let's talk about death. Since we're since okay. we're going to be having an exorcist oh, on, it's yes. sort of like, you know. Okay. okay, there was this article, and it was super intense in The New Yorker mm. about, you remember Terry Schiavo? No. This was a woman who was in a vegetative oh, state. Oh, yeah. Vegetative state. And she, there was a big. Uh, what do they call them? Right, the, something of life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a name for it. What, what am I trying to say right <laughs> I don't now? Know. But she didn't. The, her family didn't want to unplug, right? And her husband did, right? He claimed that she had said, "Don't let me live like that." Right. Brain dead. We've already announced it here that we're not living like that, right? <laughs> Going on record. Well, but then I went on record to say, "Don't take anything I say on this show as like my oh, legit." God. I got to make a will real quick because yeah, this quick. is not enough. But I can't. I don't want to live like that. But the article did say, you know, that the. Okay, let yeah. me back up. Yeah. In America, we focus a lot politically about the idea of when a person is born. When is does a life begin? Yes, this is the thing. 
So we have these debates. Is it conception? Mm-hmm. When is conception? Mm-hmm. It depends on who you ask. Right. When is, or is it when the brain is fully formed? Is mm-hmm. it when they can breathe on their own outside of the mother? Mm-hmm. Is it when you exit the vagina or mm-hmm. whatever? Well, in Eastern countries, they don't have that same debate. They tend to debate when do you die? Yes. And so that debate is less of an issue here, but when these things happen, then they become big fights. This was just on an episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I bet it was like about this particular. It probably, I mean, case. it was about a baby. Okay, this was a young girl. Okay, got her tonsils out. <gasps> it went terribly wrong. She ended up um, what they call brain dead. Yeah, and then after a time, um, you know, the doctors were like, "We can't keep." Her, yeah. yeah, sustaining her without. Yeah, and so then in New York and New Jersey, they have a religious exemption where if you think, if you believe breath indicates life, then you are allowed to maintain the mm-hmm. like the ventilators or yeah, even though the state will declare you dead. Oh my gosh! So this little girl is declared dead. And then her mom takes her to like an apartment with a ventilator and is like keeping her cooking. And the but like, what's the quality of life? That's the quality of life that we have to talk about. There's so many things. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And so, like, the mom does all these commands like, move this finger, move that finger. There's all these videos of this. And Terry Shiva was the same. They had all these videos that to, to the viewer would indicate there's something in there going on and but all the doctors and all the medical boards are like this kid's gone yeah like totally branded i feel like she should have a would you like to still be around question yeah right right and so the the other issue that came up in the article was about how people of color minorities tend to not accept the brain the dead ruling way more than uh, white people. Mm. And in the article it said it's because people of color are very suspicious about whether they're being treated properly or being neglected. As they should be. Yeah. The United States does not have a good history of that. Um, And I don't know if that's the full reason Mm -hmm. why this is true for people of color or not. Um, But it's just a really bizarre scenario because this kid is still on the ventilator um and then there's the issue of like organ don- organ donation yeah. after organ donation became a big thing then more and more people were taken off like they were unplugged oh, that makes me feel and then you think wait are they are right. the doctors encouraging it too soon yeah but oh, there's so many questions yeah. anyway it was a really um one of those articles that makes you think like what do i believe i don't know right. What, what would do I do? Believe? And I can totally understand the idea of a parent not wanting to let go. Right. I get that. I, I hope, God forbid, I'm never in that position, and I don't know what I would do if I was, but it makes you think. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, i got to put that in the newsletter because I want to know what other people think. Because the, the question of what does it mean to die isn't clear cut. Yeah. Well, and a lot of a lot of countries now have the what is it called the right to die? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. The mm-hmm. right right to die acts where yeah. if you 
That was what I was getting confused on before. I was using the word life. Um, if you do have a terminal illness, then you can choose to humanely exit this world. I'm all for that. Yeah, I think it's... And they've been doing it in other countries for years. Yeah. In the to Netherlands like, and in... I was like, going to say no-brainer, but it seemed like oh, in poor taste. Susie. I mean... Um, I'm yeah. just saying that... <laughs> well, I was literally going to say that, and then yes. I was like, wait, I don't think Maybe I should, don't. but then I did. Um, so, like, until the 1960s, death really was just about, like, cardio respiratory yeah, like heart, heart, heart yeah, like if beating. yeah if things are going but then once the ventilator became uh-huh a thing because you then, keep somebody alive yeah and so then people kind of got this idea that this person's still alive when really and after a while in the ventilator your brain actually turns no to, no 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 oh no. here's I mean, another yes, weird but that thing is just ins- like oh it gives me just another weird thing feelings. is this girl and another girl both had its thing happen along the way where they menstruated and their families were like, um, this is still going on. And the doctor's like, we don't know that that's menstruation. We just know that there's blood coming. And so it was like, that was confusing. Okay. Cause if there's menstruation, then it kind of, the means organs that are it working, could, organs are working. And also that it, she could sustain a pregnancy. Isn't that weird? So oh anyway, my gosh, that's... a lot of questions brought up. Oh, that. I know it's a bummer a though. Real head scratcher, like there's. <laughs> I know, I mean, and I don't like, like. I don't even know what to think anymore. I know you guys prefer it when we talk about poop knives and stuff, but sometimes we started with happy endings. I mean, for goodness sakes, <laughs> what do you want? What from do you want me? from me? I just like questions that are not obvious, and there can be many answers, and nobody's right yeah. because who the heck knows? And things that make you wonder. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I've got a medical one for you that's in, I had a story um, or an article I read that's kind of in line with medical stuff, but maybe a, a happier thing. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. What? So there's a company out there uh, that has discovered a biosensing ink that now they're giving, they're able to give tattoos to people who say have like diabetes or have um, issues with their blood that will change colors based on what's going on in the body. So rather than diabetics having to test their insulin or their blood sugar and everything and prick themselves the needle, they just get a tattoo in a discreet place. They look like for a the, mood ring. Yes. The color changes on that tattoo and they're like, oh, time to give me another shot of insulin. Come on. It's called the dermal abyss, which I think was kind of like a dumb name. They could have done better <laughs> than that. That's wild. Yes. Is, and, and how quickly will this be available? Do you know? Is oh. this in the old, uh, like, let me see, let me see, testing I have, phase? I don't think so. I think this is, it's MIT. They've created this tattoo and it works. I mean, it's working right what now. What else can be used for besides diabetes? Let's see. Let's see. Diabetes. It says that it changes colors in response to the changes in inter. No, interstitial fluid? What is that word? Look at that interst inter inter how do you say that word? I genuinely don't see it on here. Let me show you. Uh, oh, I've never seen that word. Me neither. I haven't seen that word either. But, I should have just pretended like I or knew. Or that they comma or the stuff that surrounds tissues in the cell body. <laughs> Got it. So there you go. 
So it says, despite its unsteadling name, Dermal Abyss is both both aesthetically pleasing and potentially a game-changing technology for people with such illnesses that require constant monitoring, such as diabetes. They didn't give another example than diabetes, but it's a pH-sensing ink which measures the alkalinity of your in- this fluid that changes from pink to purple as the alkalinity increases, and glucose sensors change from blue to brown, so they can basically do it with glucose and with alkalinity. Wow, good And for the them. sodium sensors are fluorescent under UV light moving from a more intense green as salt levels in the body increase. That's good news. I'm really glad about that. I like, this is like the future, man. I'm all I love about it. it. And then I like tattoos with a purpose. You right. Know? <laughs> They're not just to look good. Right. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, all right, let's uh introduce our guest, shall we? You into that or you I don't want to cut you off. No, I I can't wait. Super. I want to talk I want to know about Nito. Exorcism. Okay, so I here's how I'm going to pitch this. Because I know a lot of people are like, you guys are supposed to be about science and like why are you talking about hocus pocus spirituality? Mm-hmm, here's why. Mm-hmm. Because it's freaking interesting. Yeah. And I even said this to the author, R.H. Stavis is her name. I said, I don't really even care if what you do is legitimate. <laughs> if this is a placebo effect and it makes people yep. feel good. I'm all about and that. And nobody gets hurt. Why the heck not? Right. Exactly. And she's real cool because she doesn't care what I say. Like she's just interested in telling people what she does and being open about this weird job. And so her book is called Sister of Darkness, The Chronicles of a Modern Exorcist. And she, for years and years, has been doing this via word of mouth. She's here in L.A. And it's not like her day job. She is a successful writer. And, like, she gets these calls and people are like, yo, I... From famous people. And they're like, I can't write a song anymore. I don't know what's happened to my like writer's block, whatever it is. And she brings them in and does an exorcism, gets rid of... And she has names for all these weird creatures that she finds on people. And she can see them with her eyeballs, she says. Like, she can visually see what's on you. Oh my gosh, I want her to tell me what's on me. I know, that's why I was like, I have a demon, I know it. Yep. But, um... You know, she tells you what you should be scared about, what you're not scared, but like concerned about Mm -hmm. and what's like totally manageable and like how to avoid getting one. I think these are handy tips. Yes. Yes. So whether you believe in all this or not, I think it's fun to hear. And then you can be like, what? And look into it if, if it's something intriguing to you or you could call me crazy for being into it. Um, it's even fun if you're a skeptic to read things that are absolutely. like, you know what I'm so into flat earth society shit. I know the earth is round, right. but I can't get enough of reading about that. Yeah. I love it because those, you know, that's what it felt fun. like for me where I'm like, I don't know. And that's why for me, then it came down to the way the words 
work? Like, what does this word mean? Because she might call something yes, yes, spirit yes, yes. or a demon or whatever, and I might call it like... Bad vibes. Yeah. Totally, Suze. So see what you think. If you like the interview, I think you should check out her book, Sister of Darkness. and um, The Chronicles of a Modern yeah. Exorcist. And it's my uh, March book club pick. Because why not? Why not? Why not celebrate spring with yeah. a little spook? Sex and exorcisms. Right? Covering What's not to love? All right. Welcome to the show, R.H. Stavis. Hello. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. I have a lot of questions for you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I got your book and I admittedly was sort of like, I don't know, this is going to be weird. And then I got like five pages in and I was like, okay, I need an exorcist. And I mean, do you get that a lot where people are like, what? And then all of a sudden they're like, I get it. It's so funny. I get that all the time. And it's not to say it's not weird. Of course it's weird. Like it's the weirdest thing you could be doing. (laughs) Probably. Right. Super weird. But yeah, I get skeptics all the time, you know, and it's so funny because when people come to an exorcist, you know, they're coming as a last resort. This is a last resort option for people. It's usually, you know, they've tried everything and they're like, okay, well, this is really so strange, but I don't feel like I have a choice. I'm going to go check it out. And I get a lot of skeptical people coming in that way, right? Because they're like, nothing else worked. So I'm going to try it. (laughs) And they don't expect anything. And they don't tell me anything. It's so funny. Like if someone watched these, they would they would laugh because they they come in, they're like really closed up. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to tell me what's going on. I'm like, that's cool, whatever, we'll still do it. <laughs> and then at the end of it, they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe the things that I felt and now how I feel. And and it's a really um interesting experience. I love when I have skeptics, really, because they're the ones who are are so fascinating to watch because other people come in, they're really open to it. They're ready, you know, and it's kind of cool to watch that transformation, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if something works for someone, then it's like eye opening, especially if they thought this was a bunch of baloney to begin with, (laughs) but I can imagine that would be really cool. I wondered if there, first of all, why did you decide to write the book? Did you, was your intention to educate people or what? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's so funny too, because for so many years I worked only word of mouth. I had no intentions of going public. You know why? (laughs) Right. Was my feeling. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, but I ended up, you know, selling a, a film script. I write for, for film and television. And so I ended up selling a film script to a pretty well known horror production company and, they had a party and of course they were introducing me as their resident exorcist. Ha ha. Because they purchased <laughs> the script. And I ended up telling, you know, a few people through the night what I did because they, of course they come up and they ask questions. It's yeah. the first thing you get. <laughs> and one of these people who was asking me questions all night at the end of the night was like, I work for NPR and I want to do a story. And being a person who just, you know, obviously believes in spirit, works with spirit, divine timing, all of those things, I just thought, well, it must be time then. And so all of it kind of snowballed into doing a book. And when I was approached to do a book, I I wasn't sure because it's also a memoir, which is really personal. So personal, it's like people you don't know know everything about you now, <laughs> um, which is also weird. Um, <clears throat> but... Yes, it gave me an opportunity to teach people about it and teach people about how entity and possession really work very, very different than what 
what most people know of, you know, in terms of how that goes and what it looks like and how it feels. What do you think the biggest misconception is? Well, I think that people have been taught for a really long time that, first of all, it's religion-based. Right. And if you look at the truth of that, even if you know nothing else about exorcism other than what you've seen in movies and TV, right, and maybe heard along the way, you'll see, if you put it all together, that demons in possession, or what I call entities in possession, are in lots of cultures, not just, you know, we're Christian or Catholic and this is how it works. So I always thought it was so interesting because if you if you really look into the history of, of demons in general, I guess you could say, you know, you can date it back to ancient Sumeria where there was no Jesus to compel it out of you. So, you know, we have to start thinking outside of that. So really for me, you know, I... I work in energy and frequency, and that's how entities actually work. And so it's a very different idea and concept than people are used to. Yeah, and I bet they're surprised that you could, you're what is known as a secular exorcist, which sounds like a contradiction to most people, right? Yes, absolutely. So I work with all faiths, and I work with all high beings. So in other words, you know, when we talk about entity and demons, we're talking about what I call low beings, right? Low frequency energies, low frequency beings. So if you think about it, it's like a diamond, like the shape of a diamond where we are as humans are kind of in the middle. And then below us, there's this whole bunch of entities that go all the way down to like the worst of the worst. And then above us is everything that's what I call high beings, right? You know, spirit guides, angels, whatever, however you want to call that, um, all the way up to whatever you think is the highest. And so it's really interesting because, you know, high beings give to us and low beings obviously take from us. So it's a give or a feed, right? Like people always say, you know, when they get into a car accident that some high being came in and somehow saved them, you know, that actually does happen. So I work with all high beings. So everybody of every faith can come in here. And I've had people who are very religious come in. I've had people who have no religion come in. It's all about spirituality and working with with energies. You know, all high beings, again, are energy, and that's what we work with. And they're very pure in the the fact that they can um, send that energy through the body and spirit and start pulling out that negative gunk. (laughs) So the person's religiosity or lack thereof won't affect whether or not uh, you're able to be successful? No, not at all. I mean, like I said, even if they come in and they're super closed up and they're like, this isn't going to work at all, it still works. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's encouraging. Um, Okay, so when you're dealing with people in your life and they find out what you do, are there certain people that are really upset and offended? Oh, all the time. What do they say? (laughs) Oh God, they're so rude. Like (laughs) if you look at, I mean, in life, right? If you, first of all, let's even back it up. If you're a woman, (laughs) if you're on the internet, people are rude. If you post a picture and people are rude, (laughs) right? Right. So there's all of that on top of everything else. Cause I'm also a female exorcist, you know, I'm a female exorcist with a chest. (laughs) Right. You have the misfortune of having a vagina and breasts. Right. Exactly. So that, that puts me on display for every kind of commentary anyway. Um, but it's, 
yeah, a lot of people have very strong feelings about exorcism. And they have obviously very strong feelings about their religion. And so when you come out there and you say, okay, well, everything you know about this is a lie. Sorry to tell you that, you know, (laughs) bad news. You know, you're sorry, cognitive dissonance, like you're, you're gonna have to figure it out. They don't like it, you know, and well, some people I should say some people are super open to it. And even if they don't believe it right off the bat, they look into it, they read about it, and they go, well, you know what, I don't know everything about how the planet works. So there's a possibility here, right? Yeah. Some people are not in that space. Some people, you know, they don't believe in things like global warming and you can give them facts after facts after facts and they they are still not going to believe in it. Why? Because it changes their worldview and they don't want that. Yeah, it's real inconvenient. Exactly. (laughs) Well, do you think that people get hung up on the words, you know, like entities or the the various names of the entities? Do you think they get hung up on how that's weird and different and the other? Yeah, I think I think so. I I think it's I don't know the way the way people work, I think, too, is like it's so different a way of of looking at this. It's so different. And to know that it has very little to do with religion has a lot to do with actually how you carry yourself and the way that you work in the world. I think it scares people because I think, you know, if we have to be responsible for every thought we have, every word we say, and all of the actions that we have both for ourselves and for others, we have to be accountable. We have to be conscious. And we have to look at the fact that we've been walking around unconsciously on this planet for so long. And it puts the responsibility on you. Right. Which is, as you said, scary to some people. But I think you did a great job in your book of framing it as it's empowering. Uh, yeah, and it really is. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously that's not for everyone. Not everyone wants that. A lot of yeah. people want to believe that they can do whatever they want and some higher power is going to judge that. And there is certainly a truth to that. Of course, there are high beings and of course they want to help you and work with you and, and make you the best person you can be. Um, that is true. You know, it's not a, necessarily a religious thing. It, it is a spirit thing and they do exist. But yes, it is empowering because you have, all of the power within you to change your life every single minute of every single day with every single thought you have. If people even spend one day looking at how often they have self-deprecating thoughts and negative thoughts about where they are in life, where they are in the world, how they affect everything else, how the world is affecting them. Like so many people walk around in this very victimized mentality that they're just along for the ride. (laughs) And that is not the case at all. We have every chance every day, like you're living and breathing, you can change your life all the time. And it really does start with changing the thought patterns because people don't realize that not only is that negative self-talk obviously detrimental to you, but it is creating an energy signature. Mm. It's creating an energy that you are recycling through your body then putting out into the universe and then saying, well, I don't understand why I'm not getting the things that I want. It's because you're not aligning with those things that you want at all. Well, my co-host and I were just talking about that, how the the things we say about ourselves in our mind is so much more mean than what we would (laughs) say to us, another person, even a stranger. It's so true. And like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I feel like probably most people have, but you know, 
if you look at like when you were a teenager or something, right. And then someone took a picture of you and you were like, Oh, I hate this picture. Like <laughs> never going to look at that picture again. Right. So many people go through that awkward stages. And then later you're an adult and you look at that picture, like you somehow come across it and you're like, Oh, it's such a beautiful picture. <laughs> I so mean, you know, <laughs> right, right, right. Like those kinds of things happen all the time. And we're the ones who are creating that for ourselves. And the unfortunate part is, you know, <clears throat> basically, for, you know, for people who don't know, you know, that's, that is kind of how attachment and possession actually work because we have, you know, we, we emit a, a frequency an energy, a vibration every day. Everything does, you know, that's just life. Like everything has an energy and everything is made of energy. And when we walk through life, we have what I call a baseline frequency, which is like kind of where we are every day. Like this is where we are, whatever that is. If it's a ladder, let's say, when, you know, some of us are on rung two, some of us are yeah. on feet, right? So that's where we are most of the time. But when we experience any kind of trauma, any kind of trauma, depending on how we interpret that trauma, that baseline frequency takes a big hit. And now we're in a low frequency vibration. And we don't know here in this in this culture, because it's just not something that we've looked into before, hopefully we're becoming more conscious and aware of that, but we don't know how to release that trauma. We end up kind of storing it and keeping it and like pushing it down and, you know, doing the drugs and doing the things to, to kind of keep that baseline frequency going without really understanding that's not what's happening. And so when we get that hit and we're in a negative space, that's when attachment comes in because entity is looking for, you know, an exact energy signature that they can feed from. And that's how we're found, right? And it just makes everything worse. <laughs> yeah. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. What's the trick on, as you say, sort of let, letting go of the trauma and dealing with it? You know... It's so it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. This is like, this. like, oh, you just do this and it's fine. <laughs> so, it is, it's, it's complicated because we have been taught, this, this culture in particular, we are in such a fear-based society. Yeah. We live in a fear-based society. Right. There's no way of looking at that differently. We are taught as children, everything is scary. <laughs> you know, don't cross yeah. the street. Don't, cross, don't talk to strangers. Don't do this. Don't do that. You're going to get killed if you put this marble in your nose. Like everything, right. right? Everything is scary. And that's a deep wound. And it's not that that's wrong. Of course, you don't want to tell your children to talk to strangers or walk out in the middle of the street. No, you're right. But it, it does create a wound. And it creates this mm. space where all these magical things that we thought were safe and beautiful and wonderful, now we're like, oh, God, we have to be vigilant about everything. And then imagine that you you work your way into adulthood and it's actually, it gets worse because people are then taught to um, be mean to you. People are, you know, people just, they protect themselves in all the ways that they can. And it usually comes out in ways that are harmful to people, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
you know, because uh, we go through all these things where we're learned not to be sensitive and not to be this and not to trust and not to, you know, not to give your heart away and not to do all of these things that you go through, adding more of that pain to the, the right. equation. Right. And but there's a price to pay for that mindset. Absolutely. Because what does that do? It just tears you down. You know, right. it just does. <clears throat> so when you get older, what do you do? You have to, people tell you in our society, our culture, like you got to suck it up because guess what? Tomorrow you have to go to work, <laughs> right? You know, you don't get time to just like deal with the issues. Oftentimes people don't, they just shove it down. Right. And then the other part of the equation too, is that a lot of people walk around this planet and they're actually quite sensitive and empathic and they don't even realize it because they've been taught not to be right. right. That's not it doesn't exist. So they're walking around in crowds suddenly like, oh my God, I have so much anxiety or I'm so depressed or I'm so angry because somebody out there in that crowd has that and they're actually picking that up. And we don't understand that that's not even us. Right. You know? Yeah. That was a really good thing in the book. I felt like a lot of people need to hear. Yeah. Because they think it's them and they're suddenly, oh my God, I'm suddenly anxious for no reason. You didn't even have a negative thought in your head and suddenly you're anxious. Doesn't even make sense. Right. Right. But you, it happens. Is is it the case that men and women are equally susceptible to these things, or is it gendered in any way? No, it's actually, I, I would say it's definitely 50-50. I think that, you know, <laughs> call me crazy, but I think that underneath it all, men and women are similar in their sensitive, sensitivities. Excuse me. There are a lot of men who are very empathic. You know, they, again, just were taught you don't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> But it doesn't mean it's not going on. Do you think that, is it possible for a person to exercise themselves? Uh, to a certain degree, yeah, I do think so. So, you know, a lot of people, so first of all, you know, when we talk about what we've learned about exorcism and entity and possession and all of these things, um, what we've been taught is that it's actually incredibly rare right? Possession is incredibly rare. Right. But that's actually not true at all. Most people have walked around with an entity and not even realized it. Some have shed themselves of entities and not even realized it. Like some people are walking around with entities right now and don't realize it. Um, and most of the time what they're walking around with is what I call a Clive. And I call it that because it looks like a Clive Barker drawing to me because <laughs> There were no names for these, so I kind of created <laughs> them because I kept seeing them over and over. And, and um, for those of people who don't know, I, I see entity with my actual eyes. So, you know, <clears throat> after seeing things over and over again, you kind of create your own little, you know, species, if you will, name. <laughs> yeah. Right? And people carry Clives all the time, and they're really small. They're what I consider like the leeches of, of the entity community, if you will. Um, they're the ones who are not, not, um, malignant, not intelligent. They're just kind of feeding cause they can, you know, just like a leech will feed if it can, <laughs> yeah. uh, same idea. So it's not that hard to remove from yourself. And the main way that people do that is simply becoming higher frequency. Um, so when you have a Clive and how you can know if you have a Clive really is that they are kind of the amplifiers of, of emotions. So if you are sad, you are depressed. If you're depressed, you're suicidal. If you have anger, you have rage. That's kind of how they work. They're the ones who give you the thoughts like, you know, 
when you're at a light and here's a lady walking across the street and it's like out of nowhere, you get this run that lady over thought that's a five. That's, oh, wow. that's what that is. It's not your brain. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of people carry them, obviously, right? That's a very common idea. A lot of people carry them. They can't kill you. They don't do anything like that, but they just make everything kind of worse. You know, you just feel more defeated carrying that thing around. Yeah. And that's how it feeds. It feeds slowly. It's really small and feeds slowly. So how people raise their frequency, there are a lot of ways to do that. You know, obviously for some people, meditation works. I don't ever recommend meditation because um, meditation, you know, for me is um, very mechanical. Like, you know, it's a mechanical thing to teach people. Well, turn your brain off and sit there for 45 minutes quiet. Well, okay, that's great. But how the hell do you turn your brain off when it's been running the show for <laughs> 48 years of your life or whatever, right? right? You know, just do it. No, that doesn't work. Right? <laughs> for some people, it does. But most people are like, I can't turn my brain off and I can't sit for 45 minutes. Like, I don't know what to do with myself for 45 minutes because, again, we're in that, like, move, move, move yeah. uh, culture. Yeah. So I teach people to actually connect to spirit. So I tell them, hey, don't even worry about your brain. Don't worry about your thoughts. Don't worry about how much time you have. All you have to do is sit somewhere that you enjoy. Any time of day you want, could be three in the morning, if that's what you want to do. You're just going to sit there. You're going to open yourself up and you're going to say, hey, whatever you believe in, right? Hey, spirit, you know, or angels or whatever, whatever you connect with. I'm just going to ask you to come in and clean me out. Come on in. Remove any negative energies, low frequencies, low vibrations out of my body and spirit. A sensitive people will start feeling that right away. Blocked up people won't, but that's okay. It's still happening because you're finally allowing them to work in you because that's what they wait for forever and ever and ever. Like, when are you going to invite me to do this? Really? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. Like your guides, <clears throat> your deceased loved ones. You have a God-given right to be able to speak to them at any time you want. It's just people don't know how to do it, but you can. Every single person on this planet can connect to spirit, can speak to their deceased loved ones, everything. They can do that. Why? Because you were a spiritual being before you came here. It's part of your journey. You mm. don't have to do it. Most people don't believe it, so they don't do it. They dismiss any kind of messages they get from spirit as, you know, that's my brain or that's, you know, I just had that thought, or I'm just coincidencing things put together. No, no, you're actually getting messages from spirit. You just have to learn to trust it and allow it in. And so connecting to spirit on a daily, asking them to clean you, going through things that you are actually grateful for. And the reason I even ask people to do that is because it immediately puts you in a higher frequency yeah. place to focus on things that you like. Even if you literally can only focus on one thing you're grateful for, <laughs> do it, you know? Because some people are going through a lot, so it's hard yeah. for them. But one thing that you feel good about, cool. Focus on that until you feel decent, until you feel good. And then after that, I always tell people, ask them to give you any messages Thoughts, visions, ideas, anything, words, phrases, anything that they want to come in. Don't judge it. Don't dismiss it. Just take it. Mm -hmm. And I tell people to do this for 30 days straight, even if they literally can only do it for five minutes a day. And in the beginning, usually by the end, they're doing it for 40 or 50 minutes. But right. in the beginning, if you're like, oh, man, I can't sit. I can't do anything. <laughs> I can't take this time. Yeah. 
a minute and you don't have to worry about turning off your brain. And what ends up happening is the, the cleaner you, the, so the more you do it, the cleaner that connection to spirit becomes. You start getting all those messages throughout the day as well. You start learning to trust the patterns that you're seeing. You're getting more aligned with the things that you want. You're getting further away from entity because you're raising that vibration on your own, albeit slowly, but you are doing it, you know, and you're starting to learn all these kinds of, um, I don't know what you would call it, like uh, secret things, right, about the universe, these things that you didn't believe existed that now you're experiencing. And it's also cleaning your your thought process naturally. So instead of telling people, turn off your brain, your brain is going to do that on its own because the heart space is going to open more. You're going to be more soul connected and more balanced on its own independently. This is what I really loved about the book is that, you know, the cover is very beautiful and the title sister of darkness, it implies, you know, this sort of mystical spooky, whatever. And (laughs) then, but when I read it, it was so hopeful and and it made me as the reader leave the book after I was done and think about how I walk around in my life, which I think is such a valuable thing for people to learn how to do. Yes, absolutely. And that, that's the thing that makes me so happy to hear because that's, that really is the reason to do it. It's like, are you really going to put yourself out in the world? I didn't need to do that. (laughs) Right. Cause it's, you know, that is in itself is a whole big thing. Yeah. Uh, But for that reason, that's exactly why I wanted to do it because it really is, there is hope and you are able to change. And it's so, you know, I, I think I talked about this in the book for a decent amount of time, but the one thing that always gets to me, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, but it still does get to me is when you have people who come in and, you know, being here being in the way that I have, obviously there's a limit to how many people I'm able to see and take. And, you know, so it's, it's a special thing, right? When people can come in that I get to work on them, they get to, to be worked on and having them come in and go through the process of this and cleaning out everything so fast, so fast in their system, letting them leave with this beautiful clean slate and then watching them deteriorate again because of the choices they make. Right. And you can't do anything about that because that's free will and people sometimes need to stumble a long time before they, they reach the light and sometimes they never do, you know, and that's unfortunate. But again, it's your choice to do. But it's really difficult to watch. And it's like you watch that and you watch people work from a place of ego, which is I know like such a new agey thing to say, but it is, you know, it is true. Like people working just from the place of everything's about me and I'm in pain. Yeah. And they're walking around this way, taking that out on everyone, doing things to people and not apologizing for it. Just not, not, not getting the courage to be high minded enough to say, you know what? Everyone's in pain. We're all in pain. The whole world is in pain, you know? And if I have caused pain to someone, if I've added to that, <clears throat> let me fix that. Mm-hmm. That takes humility. It's hard to do that. It, it seems like that <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I think too, what people don't realize about that mindset and about that energy, because again, for me, that's, that's the same thing, you know, it, we're an energy. And so that mindset, that place, that baseline frequency of that, that way of living is what will keep you 
from achieving anything. Right. Man, it's like, (laughs) it's like we're at church, but the best kind. Um, why did you choose to call the book sister of darkness? Um, you know, because I thought, (laughs) well, it's, it's kind of a a humorous thing for me actually, because I always joke that I'm a nun. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I always joke that I'm a nun because it's such a, um, you know, because people always ask in interviews, isn't that so lonesome? You must be so lonesome because you're the only person who does it this way. You don't have a church behind you. You don't have these people behind you. You don't have a whole group of, of whatever. That's okay. <laughs> Dark defenders. I don't know. Whatever you want to call them, <laughs> like superheroes or supervillains. Um, they, so that's why, um, you know, because I always joke, well, I'm on my own, you know, and like, it's very difficult to have relationships and things, even with friends. Like there are, you know, again, that's, that's a joke I always have because my energy is so much and it's, and if people aren't in a place where they can, you know, handle that kind of stress, they don't hang around, Yeah, you know? So I've, I've kind of dedicated my life regardless of, of what my personal aspects are, you know, to helping people. And I think that's a much higher calling than, you know, anything else. And I've learned over, you know, the last, I don't know, two years of, of working on this book and going through a lot of different changes in my personal life <clears throat> that it's actually, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because what matters is being able to do the, the, the thing you're meant to do on the yeah. planet and everything else that's right for you is just going to fall into place. <sighs> See, that's why I really am excited for our listeners to read your book because whether they believe in spirit or not, I think that there's something that everyone can take from it about just the the way we live, our culture, um, you know, positivity and negativity, however the words people choose to use. But I mean, there's just so much to learn from it. Well, thank you. And yeah, you know, I don't... (laughs) You have a laugh when you see this TV show I was just on. I, I did a TV interview with a, a bunch of panelists, which I don't normally do, but, you know, it happens sometimes where you have these, you know, a couple of people who are like, exorcism, boo, and a couple <laughs> of people who are like, exorcism, yay. And so I was on a panel with, with four people, well, it was four of us, and <clears throat> even my supposed exorcism, yay person instantly threw me right under the bus because they were like, the way you do it is not the way it needs to be done and blah, blah, blah. And they just had their own, their own reasons why that, that wasn't going to work out. Even though I've been doing this for so many years. Yeah. Like, that definitely <laughs> works. Um, but you know, that's the thing you can't, you can't convince everybody. There are going to be people who are not meant to receive that message. Yeah. You know? It's not meant for them and that's okay. I don't need to get into long winded arguments. There's nothing to prove. Like I said, you know, you could have a a very serious science based thing and throw people dozens of facts. And if they don't want to believe it, they're not going to. Well, and I just feel like, let's say, let's say you're pretending this is all a whole, a ruse and it's a placebo. I don't care if it (laughs) is effective and makes people's lives better, then why would it matter anyway? But I don't think that's true of you, but even (laughs) if it were, it's like if people are happy and are satisfied when they leave, that's a good thing. Well, and that, that again goes back to people's energy, right? Because if, if they're in a bad place in their lives, that's when they like to troll. 
That's when they like to discredit people. That's when they like to tell celebrities they're fat. That's when they like to do like really horrid, like you don't even, that's a person. Like, why are you doing that? It's, it's just that. <laughs> it's so it's basic, it. right? Right, you know? It's just that person feels bad in their life. They're angry, they're in pain, and they're putting that pain out there. And that's, again, living that unconscious way. It's like, you're right. It doesn't matter what we're doing in life as long as it doesn't hurt other people and it's making lives better. Yeah. And for me, obviously, you know, I know I know what I'm doing is, is real because, A, I can see the entities. I can see them. But besides that, no, if you can't, you know, I always say to people, how, you, how do you know? Like, you know, when they're like, well, how is this real? How do you know? Whatever. How am I going to know? I say, look, you know, you don't actually see gravity in the world. What you actually see is the effect of gravity right. in the world. So you may not see entity in the way that I do, but I can tell you you are seeing the effects of entity. Yes. That's another thing your book made so clear is that what you were describing, we all know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's another reason why people even though they've never looked at this this way before, once you do, you can't not look at it that way. Right. Because it's very logical. Yeah. As it made sense to me. <laughs> like, it's right. It's it's logical exorcism. <laughs> yeah, that's what we should call it. I'm going to call it that now. <laughs> we have a, one question we ask everybody at the end, which is, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's really, <laughs> it's really intense. This is a, that's a, that is a, a question. What do you <laughs> in the trunk of my car right now? Um, I think actually, well, there's nothing in it at the moment, but I'm going to be picking up a fire pit later today. <laughs> that's <laughs> so perfect. That's going to be in the trunk of my car. Um, and of course, uh, tire. Okay. <laughs> and um, what else? I think I might have some... Um, Oh, you know what? I have some herbs I just purchased. <laughs> of course you do. Of course, for exorcism. Of course I do. <laughs> I like the fire pit too. That just seems, it's probably for like your backyard or whatever, but it sounds like mystical. <laughs> it is actually, it's for ritual. Okay, see? <laughs> it is. <laughs> see, this is great. Just what we suspected. <laughs> well, I really congratulate you on your book. I'm sure that it was a, a labor of love and I'm Thank excited you. to hear what everyone thinks of it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'll let you know when we post your interview. That'd be awesome. Thank Thanks. you so much. Feel better soon. Oh, thanks. Yeah, please. Thank you. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Weave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.